Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Daniel Gallen and Dustin Hoffman-Smith. Welcome in another edition of the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn State Health. Indiana week here for the Penn State Nittany Lions. He's Daniel Gallon. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. We'll talk about this matchup coming up with the Hoosiers. We'll also look back here in a moment. Uh, news items from the past couple days just to catch you up on that. Uh, we have a, a nationally televised showdown featuring some Penn State commits. Uh, that's coming up on Friday night. And we'll get into our position series looking at recruiting and an interesting one at the wide receiver position. You all know what those top guys are doing now, but I think we're going to look a little bit below the surface, including uh, the number of high-profile commits so far in the 2022 class. So, Dan, you ready to rock and roll? Ready for week five of the Penn State season? Yeah, let's go, Dustin. We're, we're in prime time again this week, so got to get the energy up to match. And, and keep it up for a long period of time into Saturday night and Sunday morning. So that's that'll be the challenge. Uh, two week, two out of two times out of three weeks. So one of the things as we sit here today, you know, I think a little resolution for for many of the situation with Hakeem Beeman. James Franklin said on Wednesday, just use the term unavailable. So we don't really know, I, I guess, the nature of the situation. We have seen him uh, working on scout teams, so it does not appear to be a physical thing. But we do know that. The, the exact situation there, defensive tackle, no more waiting for Hakeem Beeman to be back. Yeah. And that was kind of what, what James Franklin said last night where, where he goes, yeah, you know, now you don't have to ask me every week uh, whether or not Hakeem Beeman is going to be available, but it's definitely interesting. He's a red shirt sophomore, a third year guy who some were expecting to compete for a spot uh, on the two deep, uh, potentially a starter. Uh, we all know what Penn State lost uh, after last season uh, and into this season, you know, top four defensive ends, a starting defensive tackle. There are plenty of opportunities for a guy who'd been in the program for a couple of years, like Beeman, to step in uh, and get a role. And for whatever reason, that didn't really happen uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was a developmental squad player of the week. So he is doing some things behind the scenes that, uh, you know, the team likes. But, you know, we're not going to see him on the field on, on Saturdays this year. And I think the the follow up with that is, it, it, you know, to me, it just takes time and experience uh, to get somebody on the cusp of making an impact at that position. And I think that's one of the things that Hakeem Beeman had kind of gone through that process. He had made a tackle for loss. I think he had shown some explosiveness and some just some unique dimensions at that position last year. So a lot of people were understandably excited about his future. And I don't know that, you know, you, you can still be excited about his future. That's just his 2022. They're just going through this process now. 
of getting other guys on the cusp of, of making an impact. And we've seen some of them, including last week against Villanova, some players to be excited about. But I think one of the players that has, has maybe picked up the slack that we were expecting from Hakeem Beeman is Devon Ellis playing, playing a little bit more than we expected. And, you know, if you hear these guys talking about him, including P.J. Mustafer, some good reason to be excited about him, too. Yeah, Devon Ellis was, I think, one of the more surprising faces that we saw on the field at Wisconsin in week one. You know, right off the jump, jump, he's getting a lot of run behind PJ Mustafer and Derek Tangelo uh, on that interior. Um, and when you kind of look at what Penn State has there, it's not really a surprise if you just kind of go by, you know, seniority and, you know, talent level. You know, there's a veteran guy in there like Fred Hansard, but, you know, Hakeem Beeman and Devon Ellis were kind of in that third year. You know, they've had that time to get ready. Um, you know, it's kind of that time where you expect them to make an impact um, because the guys behind them, PJ Mustafer singled out Amin Vanover, Fatorma Molba, and Keziah Izzard. Those guys are all second year guys, redshirt freshmen. So, you know, there's talent there, but at that position, which is so physically demanding, you know, and also technical, um, you know, I think that you kind of have to have some seasoning and, and some time uh, in the program before you can really, you know, step into a role right there. That seasoning's happening. Whenever Penn State gets opportunities to play, to go a little deeper into their rotations, these guys. And, you know, I mean, Manover is a unique athlete. Fatora Mulba, probably one of the strongest pound for pound players on this entire roster. I think they're excited about that. And, you know, John Scott, I had seen you know, was giving some compliments to these guys. And he said about Keziah Izzard, he thinks he can be a great, great player. I think the future is really bright for, you know, all three of those guys, but especially Keziah Izzard. And, um, you know, all these guys are kind of a product of Penn State got hot at the defensive tackle position on the recruiting front and, and has loaded up on, on a bunch of young guys. And this right now, the time we're in is them trying to get them up to speed, uh, maybe to make an impact next year. Um, speaking of next year, 2022, the commits that, that we are going to see on uh, national television, Drew Aller, you know, the, his stock continues to rise. A lot of people are getting familiar with him, not just in the Penn State and Big Ten community, but but on the national scene as well. We'll be competing uh, Friday night, 7 p.m. Andre Roy, uh, one of the newest uh, commits, also on, on display. What do you know about these guys and, and getting that run? I'm sure as a high school player, just super cool to be on national TV. Yeah. So Drew Aller and Medina High School are going to be on ESPN2 uh, at 7 p.m. on Friday night going against Mentor, uh, which is a you know another kind of big time uh, Ohio program. Uh, Mentor has its own star to keep an eye on, a 2023 five-star defensive lineman named Brennan Vernon. Uh, who's committed to Notre Dame. Um, so there's going to be some high level talent there. You know, Drew Aller has just had such a great start to the season. Um, I got his updated stats this morning and he has 20 touchdowns to three interceptions. And I think he's leading his team in rushing right now, um, which is just pretty wild. Uh, he's really put it all together. You know, as one of those guys who is only going to rise up the recruiting rankings. So that'll be pretty kind of, you know, exciting to get a look at these guys, you know, in a game environment, not really filtered through huddle um, or something like that. You get to see the good, the bad, the ups, the downs uh, instead of just the highlights, even though. Highlights are pretty fun to watch uh, sometimes. Um, and then at 10 o'clock after the Medina mentor game, uh, St. Francis uh, from Baltimore is facing De La Salle uh, in California. Uh, Andre Roy is the three-star offensive tackle who committed to Penn State last week. Uh, he projects as kind of one of those, you know, he's just one of those big bodies that you want to bring in, has physical tools, and then you want to see what offensive line coach Phil Trout, 
Troutwine can do and kind of molding him into a contributor. And I think that that's kind of the, you know, the strategy uh, along the offensive line. You look at some of the guys that Penn State has in this class, like Malik McNeil, who I think is six foot eight, you know, something, you know, mid 300 pounds. Uh, I saw part of his highlight tape where he's punting uh, for his high school and then, you know, is making tackles on runbacks. It's, you know, I think those are the guys you want to bring them in and then, you know, kind of have the the clay and then you let filter outline, you know, or, or the offensive, the offensive staff really mold them into things. So Andre Roy and St. Francis will be playing at 10. St. Francis also has a four-star linebacker, Jay Sean Barham. Penn State is also potentially in the mix for, um, obviously space is tight. Uh, all these, all these spots are crucial, but that's another name to know. And then just in general, you know, St. Francis has five of the top six players uh, in Maryland in the 24-7 sports composite rankings for the class of 2022. So that's a school that always has the talent. You know, they don't play the Baltimore private schools anymore. They play a national schedule. So, um, you know, they're they're in, always interesting to watch. Now, a couple themes uh, for our next topic are, are present here. Number one, space being tight in the 22 class. We're not sure exactly what the number is, but they're they're pushing close to it now. Also, the idea of premium physical tools. Both of the both of those things come together. You mentioned it for Andre Roy, who's like six six three twenty. Malik McNeil, you know some of these things that you just can't teach. Target, who will be announcing October second game day for for Penn State. Amari Evans from Texas. He's a three star player, not very highly touted on a national level, but one thing that really jumps out is he is he's is supposed to run in the four threes in the, in the 40 yard dash. And that right there might be a good beginning point as to why Penn state might feel strong enough about Amari Evans to potentially take him. And it looks like they sit in pretty good position here going into the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I think 24 seven sports reported that Evans ran, I think those four, three, six at a TCU camp earlier this summer. And that's a number that just jumps off the page to you. I mean, Jahan Dotson said that he ran, I think, 4-3-3. So that's the kind of speed that you're talking about. Uh, it's the vertical threat. Penn State hasn't necessarily had those guys in recent years. You know, obviously, Dotson has kind of grown into someone who can take the top off the defense, but that's not necessarily what you want his his main role to be. Uh, Parker Washington, obviously, is kind of a make plays with ball in his hands. And then, you know, we're still kind of seeing Keandre Lambert Smith's uh, development come along. So Penn State hasn't really had that burner that you put on the outside that commands the safety over the top to kind of open up the middle for the tight ends and stuff. So I think that you look at Omari Evans, uh, three star from Texas, doesn't have a lot of interest from Texas schools. Uh, Rutgers is also in the mix for him. Uh, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how that shakes out. But, you know, when you just look at the speed, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, like, of course, this is what you would want on your offense. This is what you want to add to your team. And obviously Penn State not super concerned about what those what those star ratings say or national rankings say. They seem to have a beat on uh, on this kid and, and like him. So we'll see if the, if it ends up being, what, the third game day in a row where <laughs> Penn State gets a commitment. It's becoming a thing now, Daniel. Oh, yeah. We had uh, Matthias uh, Mega Barnwell, uh, the six foot five, 270 pound tight end from Northern Virginia, uh, commit to, to Penn State last Saturday before the Villanova game. Um, that was one that, you know, you, you weren't really expecting. Um, there wasn't a ton out there, but it's interesting. He was the first commit in the class of 2023 in June, 2020 decommitted in January. And he comes back uh, into the mix, despite getting some interest from Ohio state, Notre Dame, a uh, pretty impressive offer list for him. So 
You know, Penn State now has three commits in the class of 2023. Two of them are from Northern Virginia uh, with Barnwell and then uh, Alex Birchmeyer, the interior offensive lineman who's a five-star recruit uh, in the composite rankings. So, you know, that's an area. You know, Trace McSorley's from Northern Virginia. Brandon Polk was from Northern Virginia. Uh, there's been other guys from that area who've who've made the trip up here. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a that's a good area to mine. Uh, and Penn State has done that really well, and and that's continuing uh, into 2023 as you know the the calendar keeps going. It, it all it never stops. The recruiting calendar never ever stops, Daniel. And uh, yeah, 23 class. I I can think of you know in, in all the years that I've been following along with Penn State recruiting, and I think probably on a national level, it's extremely rare too. The the decommit and recommit is not a common move. I can only think of two, and one's Mega Barnwell, and one is Micah Parsons. So that's pretty good company too, if they, if if things play out that way. And I'll be interested. We're not really talking too much about Mega Barnwell here, but we will in the future. Six five two seventy right now. Will he be a tight end, or will he be maybe an offensive tackle by the time he gets um, ready to make a, uh, you know make his college debut? We'll see about that. That that frame is growing in a hurry from the time he committed to the time he recommitted. So that's one to keep an eye on. You know, we talked about Amari Evans, um, just looking at the wide receiver position. Interesting place for Penn State right now. And, uh, you know, for a couple reasons. One, obviously, Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington are doing their thing. Uh, Parker Washington comes off a huge day. Jahan Dotson is Jahan Dotson. You know, what they've done at their at, at that position, you know, I tend to think of wide receivers as, as one of two, usually. You're either the small burner or you're, or you're the 6'3", 220 guy. Penn State has settled into, in a lot of ways, kind of right in between those two prototypes where they've got guys who are physical, like Parker Washington is a running back. He might as well be. Um, Jahan Dawson, you don't need to be 220 pounds, and he's another example of that. So they, they've done a good job of, of busting the prototype. They don't really even have a type anymore. But what they've got is a lot of players in that pipeline. And beyond those two players, we just don't know a ton about some of these young guys. We don't know a lot about Malik Mega. Outstanding physical talent. And they, they you know, Penn State has given us some breadcrumbs to think that he's developing behind the scenes. Uh, Jaden Dotton is another one. We haven't seen Norval Black. You know, Liam Clifford and Trey Wallace are, are coming along. They're true freshmen that Penn State really seems to like. We don't know what that next chapter looks like, but we do know that next chapter includes a huge group of guys in the 22 class. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that you look at the top three that Penn State has right now, really hard to argue with it uh, with Dotson, Washington, uh, and Lambert Smith. But, you know, if one of those guys gets banged up, you know, and even when you look at when they were spelling guys, you know, Winston Eubanks saw the field really early against Wisconsin. Uh, we've seen Cam Sullivan Brown as kind of like that that first, uh, first guy in. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like, there's just a lot of questions. Um, you know, you were kind of hoping maybe through the Villanova game that you'd see some of these younger guys get in, get some run um, and show what they can do. So, you know, you haven't really seen that. So there are some questions, um, you know, Jaden Dotton and Malik Mega, you know, are kind of the, I think what we talked about, with like the, the type of wide receivers, I think they're regarded as kind of two of the, the bigger, bigger body type guys that Penn State doesn't really have, you know, that's not in their top three right now. Um, but when you project it into next year, Caden Saunders, Anthony Ivy, Tyler Johnson, those are your, your pure wide receivers in the class. Uh, and then you have Makai Flowers, Christian Driver, uh, two other guys that, you know, could play wide receiver or at least want to play wide receiver, could also be safeties. Um, you know, there's just kind of, you have, you know, 
possibilities with them. So it's a lot of guys to, to bring in, but when you kind of look at the depth chart, there's going to be some attrition and you're going to need the, this many bodies at that position. Um, you know, you need to take as many shots as you can, because, you know, even when you look at this year, you've got three proven definite guys who can go out there and produce week in and week out. And then today's college football, you know, that doesn't really seem like enough. Obviously Penn state has a deep tight end room, which kind of helps there a little bit. And the way that they, you know, line up Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, Bretton strange. Um, but just from a purely, you know, number standpoint, you're kind of like, you know, oh, this is a lot of wide receivers in the class. Are we sure they need this many? But then when you look at it, it's, you know, like, oh, okay. You know, they need they need to hit on some of these guys. So I think if all goes to plan, obviously the top three will be the top three for the remainder of this season. You forecast out to 2022. It's hard to believe that Jahan Dotson would be back for more. He's already come back for more once. I don't expect it to happen again. Certainly with the way things are going, we can count him as good as being gone to the NFL. The only issue being where we, where will he go in the draft? So, but I think within that top three, we've seen, enough, I think, from Parker Washington to say, okay, I think he'd be an adequate number one if, if, that, if that's where things are going. I think we've seen in flashes with Keandre Lambert-Smith, maybe I, I think he, there's a trajectory him to, for him to be a, a good number two if things keep progressing. Though, So I think they're okay there. But then behind those guys, which is the nature of this conversation, I think the the youth movement thing is probably going to happen next year. You know, I think Harrison Wallace and Liam Clifford have shown enough from what it seems to the coaching staff that they they will be trustworthy next year. And then this group that's coming in, at least one of these guys, like it would surprise me if at least one of these guys do not burn their red shirts as, as true freshmen. And, and, you know, Caden Saunders is at the top of that list for me just because of quickness, speed, and his ability to get off the line of scrimmage. You know, I, th- I think that would be a really good asset. It, it's sort of like um, Parker Washington in that regard. He's not as big as, as Parker Washington. He has been um, compared to KJ Hamler by the Penn State coaching staff in the past. So that, that that might be a good indication of where he's at. But you're going to see some young guys. It, it hasn't happened for Cam Sullivan Brown. Not yet. It hasn't happened for Daniel uh, Daniel George. I think the time could be maybe not now, but uh, maybe the second half of this year and the early part of next year where these young guys get some run. Yeah, I think that when you look at the guys that are coming in and the opportunity to contribute right away, Caden Saunders is you know definitely top of the list. You know, just because of the the type of wide receiver that he is. You know, he's more of a slot guy. You know, I assume that he has the speed. You know, from watching his highlights, you can tell that there's speed. So if you need to put him on the outside, you know, run straight as fast as you can. You know, it's something you can add to the offense, but, you know, he seems like the type of wide receiver that a guy like Mike Yersich is going to want to get involved, um, you know, put him in the slot, move him around the formation, get him the ball in space, which has been a big theme uh, of this offense so far this year. So you can really kind of see how he would fit in there and how he has the potential to, to really make things happen. Um, you know, some of the other guys might need a little bit of seasoning, you know, depending on how physically ready they are when they come in. But, you know, I think Penn State, given how you see, you know, the top three performing right now that, you know, Penn State has the track record of, of being able to develop these guys. Uh, Makai Flowers, we'll see safety or wide receiver. Christian Driver, same conversation. Christian Driver, the son of Donald Driver, uh, has said, I believe he he prefers to play wide receiver at the next position. I was on board with him looking like a better fit at safety. Uh, Makai Flowers can also play there. So we'll see. I mean, it's a good 
problem, so to speak, to have is ha- to have a bunch of six foot one, 180 pound guys who look like they can make the grade on both sides of the ball. That's a good spot for James Franklin. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns yet at this wide receiver position, but um, a lot of good talent that's coming along. So it'll be fun to watch that moving forward. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Uh, let's bring the focus back, Daniel, just to the matchup at hand here. Penn State, Indiana, don't call it a revenge game. <laughs> to PJ Mustafer, just speaking to the professionalism that they're trying to present. It's not about last year. We're not carrying that with us. We're a different team now with a different outlook on a different team. But, you know, I think the feeling of wanting to get these guys back is, is there. Uh, it's there for the fans. Uh, it's a 7.30 p.m. kick. There will be some energy in, in that place. I think everybody wants this just because of not just losing, but because of what happened afterwards, the, 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 you know, the downward spiral, so to speak, they're going to want this game. And, and, you know, Vegas is looking at this thing preseason five and a half point spread for this one. And I liked Indiana at that point, uh, it, it, you know, but since then that opened at 11 and a half, the last I looked uh, on Wednesday was at 13 and a half. So oh. a, a lot of people seem to think that Penn State's going to run away with this one. We've seen Indiana play these guys tough before, but it, it looks like a, a situation where if Michael Penix Jr. isn't that special dynamic quarterback, if Ty Freifogel isn't taking the lid off the, the Penn State defense, there's a real shot here, I think, for Penn State to cover that spread. Yeah, definitely. I think that one thing that you look at with Michael Penix is the performance against Iowa and the performance against Cincinnati. You know, he just had some some shaky throws. Obviously, the Iowa game got out of hand uh, pretty spectacularly uh, with the two pick sixes um, and just kind of a very disjointed performance by by Indiana. And so, you know, I think that Indiana is a team that is probably somewhere in between uh, how they performed in their wins and how they performed uh, in that loss to Iowa. I think the Cincinnati game was close uh, going into the second half. Um, so Indiana is going to play, you know, them tough. You know, I think for them last year was kind of the the perfect storm uh, for them to kind of take that big step forward and be in that national conversation. You know, it was the COVID year. It's kind of like Penn State. You know, how different does their season look if they don't if that week one result flips? You know, there could be a completely different conversation. But, you know, I think Michael Penix is one of the keys to the game. You know, if he's the same guy that he was before his knee injury, you know, if he's still kind of working his way back, that's something that that you want to watch because, you know, he's a guy that hurt you with his arm, hurt you with his legs. And I think Penn State did a good job uh, keeping Bo Nix in check, someone that can do something kind of similar. So it'll be interesting to see if how that can continue uh, with Penix. It's obviously a key matchup in this one is, is not only pressuring him and trying to, um, you know, trying to force him into some mistakes, 
uh, without allowing him to to do damage with his legs. So that's the, that's the conundrum for this Penn State front seven. Uh, you've seen him be mistake prone this year, more so than last year. Uh, I don't know that I that I expect him to go into a, a night environment on the road at Beaver Stadium and and flip the script. But that's always a it's always a threat and it's always a possibility. But I think the the difference this year is, is a couple of things. He's not as crisp, understandably so. Penn State's defense. Uh, is creating more pressure than it did last year, and it's stickier in coverage than last year. And what, one thing that Michael Penix does not do is throw the ball with a great deal of, of accuracy. Ball placement is not a, a, a real strength for him. He's got plenty of arm strength. He, he can get it there, but I think sometimes just the, you know, not always exactly on target. There, there will be a threat here for a pick six. There will be a threat for maybe multiple takeaways. This Penn State defense is hungry for those. Uh, you just got to kind of not let him do damage by 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 making plays with his legs. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. On the offensive side, you know, I, I think everybody's looking for progress in the run game. Uh, I don't tend to panic as much as some fans seem to be panicking about the, the run game dynamic because they've executed so well in the short passing game. It's almost an extension of the, of the running game in, in some ways. But what are you expecting from the Penn State offense going against this Hoosiers defense? Yeah, the Indiana defense plays the run well. So those, those yards are going to be hard to come by up the middle again. But you know, I think that it's just kind of getting guys into space. Uh, if you can get your running backs to the edge, if you can get the ball out to to Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington on the edge uh, in space, let them make plays. Um, you know, the running game is interesting. I'm kind of like you. Like, I'm not too worried about it. Um, you know, as long as you're moving the ball up the field. You know, I do kind of wonder, you know, when you get into the, the four-minute offense situation, can Noah Kane, can Kevon Lee, can John Lovett, can they really, you know, get you three yards, four yards, three yards to kind of, you know, keep the chains moving, keep the clock moving. Um, you know, Penn State hasn't had to do that yet, really. So that's something that you're still kind of waiting to see if it's there. And, you know, I think that you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's not a, might not be a problem until it's actually a problem. <laughs> um, so that'll be something to watch. But, you know, I think the Penn State offense, I think, just going to keep doing what they've been doing. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if there are any new wrinkles um, out there. You know, even against Villanova, they went back to the Tyler Warren package at the goal line, which I wasn't really expecting to see, you know, in the FCS game. But, you know, that's still there. Who knows what else they have in it? Um, you know, who knows what other kind of wrinkles we're going to see? Maybe one of the wide receivers that we talked about earlier is not really producing. Maybe there's something, maybe they're a guy who steps up this week. So, you know, I think the Penn State offense, it's been clicking. And so it's kind of hard to to go against that right now. Yeah, I think just the the athleticism, the speed and space, that that advantage is going to be present there again. And Indiana is uh, you know, better talent-wise, but they're going to be looking to do the same thing that your ball state was doing, that that Villanova was doing. Let's just try to keep containment the best we can, keep everything in front of them and try to force Penn State to drive the field. And they've been, they've been pretty successful doing it, especially without the running game, which is um, you know, affects the consistency. I think it puts them in in less 
than ideal situations in terms of second and longs and third and longs a little bit too often. So that's something that needs to change. But the formula has been working so far. I expect it to work again. We have similar picks on this one. You've got a 31-17 Penn State. I've got 37-17. I think they're going to do a little bit more scoring than that. So we'll see what happens. 7.30 p.m. at Beaver Stadium Saturday night. Penn State, Indiana, ABC, I believe, um, kickoff there. So as Daniel Gallon, I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. This has been another edition of the Blue White Breakdown. Every Friday, we'll be talking Penn State football, Penn State recruiting. You can follow Daniel on Twitter at DanielJTGallon. As always, you can check out everything we do, writing, video, podcast, PennLive.com slash Penn State football. And lastly, you can locate all of our Blue White Breakdown podcasts on Alexa, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and on YouTube as well. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Blue White Breakdown. This is the Blue White Break.